In this series, we have some pretty frank discussions about topics including race, sexuality, and violence. Some of the content and the language may be triggering. We spoke about this, like, what would happen if they never found out? I feel like, honestly, everything happens for a reason, but at the same time, our acting careers probably would have been in a much better position than it is right now if Jesse was never found out to be lying about the whole situation. How do you feel, Ball? Yeah, I agree. Personally, without even Jesse, I think we would have been way further along in our acting career. But even with Jesse's help, we would have uh, been even further. We, we would have been through doors that uh, we Couldn't possibly enter, ourselves. enter without him. So I think uh, it would have been different. Do you think he was genuinely trying to help you with your acting career? Yeah, we were cool. Yeah, he was. He was. So if you hadn't have been arrested and put in that situation? Y'all wouldn't know a damn thing. Really? Are you fine with that morally? I am. Even if it had blown up like this, but in a different way, where everybody thought there was this awful hate crime against Jesse, and nobody knew any different morally, you'd have been totally fine with that. Well, when you look at it, there's already people on both sides committing crimes against people on the other side. So it would have just been another one of those stories. But doesn't mean it's right, though. I mean, I, no, I'm I didn't say it's right. Nobody said it's right. I didn't say it's right. <laughs> I just would have been living my life. If that would have happened, it's hard to see a victim. I guess the case you could make of who's the victim, maybe people that are conservative, but... But what about the people that it creates more fear and anxiety in, though? People that are black, that are gay, that they feel like they're unsafe because those things happen. They're going to feel unsafe either if we did it or not. There's going to be other There's things gonna be that other happen. Things that you could say it adds to it, but that we just started it's, yeah, and it's not going to end, not gonna with, end us. with us. There's been other cases that yeah. have happened. Yeah, it's nothing special. Why are you looking at us like we're the super villain now? I'm Charlie Webster. This is Attacking Jussie, the Oshundairo Brothers story. Anything I do, anything that happens to me in this life, I know there's a reason behind it. So I would do it again. I wouldn't change anything. I would say I would do it again because of what it has taught me. So the benefits that I got after uh, the fact. And it has taught me that 
A lot of people aren't there for you because they genuinely like you. Uh, they're there for the ride. And when times get hard, a lot of people won't be there. So it taught me that. And I need that, especially in the field that I'm in, that I'm going to be. Uh, when you're winning, everyone loves you. You can have a big crowd. But when you're losing, you'll see not too many people there. So this showed me that and in a big way. Mm -hmm. You know, we've learned and see, oh, okay, so this is how fickle people can be. Okay, let's play ball. That fickleness, is that directed at Jesse or everybody or Jesse and everybody? Because, I mean, I, I presume you don't speak now and I'm looking at you. I feel that you're hurt from that. Uh, it's a learning. At the time, uh, it definitely felt it was painful uh, to see how people were acting towards me. Even Jesse, to see how he has maintained his innocence and different groups and people, celebrities or people of influence have supported him, but they never mention us. Like I feel kind of salty. No celebrity came out and backed us at all. I feel kind of salty about that, but it's cool. And it kind of shows, <laughs> right, it kind of shows, I guess, a little bit of classism if you're famous and a celebrity and that people would be more for you. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, the BLM movement or group, not the movement, the group came out in full support of Jesse, talking about a black man that people are going against. But... They forgot one thing. We're black, too. Nobody wants to think, uh, talk about us being treated unfairly. We don't matter. Right. We're black, too. So, uh, shit, you could say we black and Jesse. Right. To be honest. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's half white. Facts. Being factual. Facts. Right? But ain't no one come to our defense. Facts. The, the uh, Black Lives Movement organization didn't come to our defense, but they went to his defense. They said that this happening against our brother, so we're not your brother no more? We're not your brother? All right. Well, how, why aren't we your brother? No one said anything about us, about how we feel. It doesn't matter how we feel, though. Maybe because we're not... We're not as rich as Jesse. We're not as successful. We're not celebrity uh, as famous as Jesse. Right. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But you could definitely see the discrepancy in that. What about the fact that he only served six days of his 150-day jail sentence? Well, that's the law. If the, the law saga continues. That, the saga continues, but that's Wu-Tang. the law. What do you mean by Wu-Tang. that's the law? He has the right to appeal, and that's just the right of people, of citizens, right? But not everybody appeals and walks out six days later. Yeah, is that's that, his privilege. Is, is, is that that's privilege? privilege? I don't know. I'm not always, I, I don't know too much about that. He has the money. Yes. He, he has the money. He has Friends the in high places. Uh, classism, I, that's a form of classism then. If that's unusual, yeah, that's wrong that he only served six days. Yeah, he's going to have his day in court. Do you think if you'd have said no, 
he still would have done it or just asked somebody else? I believe he would have asked somebody else to do it. But would they do it? Right. I I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, he definitely would have still tried to get it get it done, I believe. But I, I believe we were a key ingredient to the whole recipe. There wasn't too many people in Chicago that he could ask to right. do it. Right. What do you think made you both key ingredient? The closeness, well, me having the closeness to Jesse was uh, he needed someone close to him, someone that he could trust, that he spent time with and that he knows uh, somewhat. And because apart from you and H, he wasn't really hanging out with anybody on a regular like that. In Chicago. In Chicago. So who else would he have been able to ask? Right. Besides the people he worked with and probably didn't want to ask the people he worked with to do something like that. When this happened, it was at a time where things were quite heightened in terms of race relations. And there were people that did protest, that did march, you know, and it could have caused a lot more harm. Can you see that? I can see that. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Because I can see that and looking back at it, I think that's what Jesse wanted. I believe that's what he really wanted to happen. I know when he saw the George Floyd situation and all the protests that happened, he was mad that that wasn't him that it had happened to. He wanted that that type of reaction, probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know what kind of campaign you can run off of that? An immense one. Exactly. The, all those people marching because of you. That's power. That was, and yeah, the George Floyd, that was the whole world. You feel me? That was the whole world marching, people marching in different countries that ain't got nothing to do with America. During marching. COVID, a time when the virus was running rampant uh-huh. and people were scared, didn't know what was going on. People were coming together, yeah. not caring about violating restriction orders and whatnot. That so. would have been a lot of power behind them. A lot, he would have had a lot of influence politically as well. What about the collective group of activists that saw this as a way to try and make change because they thought it was real? Keep fighting the good fight. I mean, there, this is not, yes, this was a hoax, but I'm sure there are or have been other problems or situations that have arise that they can use to now still make change. But then do you not think it then causes problems where it's like the wolf in sheep's clothing? Right, it will do that. Because what about people that won't be believed now because of this? Because of this. Yes, it will raise an eye. It definitely will. And every, every situation is different. You have to look at every situation with different eyes. You can't use uh, the same eyes to uh, look at um, different situations. So I, I think that's very important. And people that are smart will uh, take every situation and use different lenses to look at it. What do you think, Older, about the fact that maybe 
people might not be believed, especially as a black man that's out here now? I would say I, I'm, a, I'm sorry about that, but what can I do at this point? There's nothing I can do but what I have already done, tell the truth. It wasn't my idea. It's not something that I would do. You feel me? I just helped an individual who's going to do it either way. But at the end of the day, I came out, told the truth. I guess there is something you can do. You can raise awareness. Oh, I like that. Do you like me too? I don't. Okay. But yeah, what, what my brother just said, um, we could definitely raise awareness about the issue. And that, that, was a, that was a great idea. Thanks, bro. No problem. People are saying it was a victimless crime, which it wasn't. People are trying to label us as victims. A lot of people have labeled us as victims, but I don't like being called that, uh, being victimized. So I don't agree necessarily agree with that. But people are saying, oh, it was a victimless crime, that they should just let it go. Is it a victimless crime? There are people that maybe have more anxiety and fear. You could say that they're victims. One of the questions I was going to ask you was, do you see yourself as victims? But interestingly, you don't, but you feel like there's something wrong with being a victim. It's weak. Why is it? Especially if you want to be yeah, a but, victim. But victim doesn't mean that you're complicit. Yeah, but to search out and label yourself. label yourself and parade it, I feel that's weak. It depends on what you're doing, what you're telling me for. I'm a victim of this, and I used it to do this and this and that. That's that's a different case. Now, if you're trying to use it to make me feel sorry for you, now that's a different case. I don't want nobody to feel sorry for me. And you don't see yourselves as a victim? No. You could say we've been victims of racism, but I wouldn't say, oh, I'm a victim, or go running around telling people, yeah, uh, this happened to me, and it has. Yes, it has uh, happened many times. So you have been victims of racism before? Of course. Of course. You say of course, as in like, of course. Like it's normal. Like, <laughs> like standard, of course. Standard, right? Yeah, like, which Damn. is, I mean, there's it obviously that's a, a wider conversation because there's something wrong with that. Like it shouldn't be, of course. How has that impacted your lives? Um, it just opened my eyes. That's all. Open my eyes. Like, damn, there are people out here really like that. Mm -hmm. uh, there's people that do micro racism and people that outwardly do uh, overt yeah. uh, racism. And I've been a victim of both. So there was a time when I was uh, sweeping outside of my school. I was working for the school and somebody uh, was driving past and uh, screamed, yeah, uh, sweep that floor, nigger. And this was like 2014. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was, I was like, like, what the fuck? It's funny. That shit is, yeah, that shit is funny as hell. But at first I, I felt, I felt bad. Like, what the fuck? There's people out here like that? That'll really do that and say that? Uh, and there are. 
Let's sweep that floor. Oh, that's nigger. hilarious to me. Yeah. Why is it hilarious? Oh, that somebody will actually go out of their way. Like, you, that. You, you don't know somebody me. this much, like to yeah. go out of your way and be like, sweep that floor, nigga. That I'm sorry, but that shit's hilarious. That shit hilarious. Like you got time. You got time on your hands. Like that's some deep hate. And I feel sorry for you, honestly, to have that much hate for somebody for no reason. I feel sorry for you. But that hurt you, though. It made me feel uh, nah, bad. It didn't hurt his well, ass. Well, it, no, it made me. It made me feel bad. Like, damn, someone uh, say that about me. Well, uh, well, they made me feel bad because I was sweep, I was sweeping the floor. It made me feel like a peasant. I was sweeping outside. You know, the outside parking lot. I don't know why they had us sweeping the outside parking lot. The floor that just get dirty anyway. They the school bogus for that too. For making us do that. But give me something to do. Give me something to do, right. Yeah. But that goes to show you how you see how we're laughing about it. That shows you that we don't like to victimize ourselves or call ourselves victims. Uh, people have different mind uh, mindsets and brain chemistry that some people will feel devastated by something like that. Uh, and it's just it just depends on your upbringing and who you are and your brain chemistry, how you react to different things. I'm living on heaven right now, so there's very little that happens in the physical that could affect me. And everyone's different. Not everyone's like that. Most people aren't like that. So... You got to live for yourself and be be who you are. And that's what we're doing. And that's all we can do. So we can't necessarily live for everybody. Yes, we can be empathetical, but that's as far as it goes. There is quite a big age gap between you and Jesse. Roughly around, what, 12, 12 years? Exactly. So I'm 29. How do you feel about that? in terms of how this is now played out? Well, uh, I don't feel no way about it, really. I could see uh, people may feel that he used me and he was an opportunist, that he took advantage of someone that's younger that wants to get into the acting industry or that wants to get further, push his career along in the acting community, that he would... He really did take advantage. And, yeah, you can make an argument that he did. He did do that. And that's what I was there for. But I would say me personally at the time, I didn't feel any way about that, about the age gap, the age difference. But now looking back, yeah, I could see why someone can make an argument for that. How do I feel about it? I, Me personally, I don't really have... Uh, too much of a strong feeling about that. Maybe it goes back to my not liking the fact that some, I can be used. Mm. Ola, do you think that Jesse used his position of power over your brother and his seniority? Uh, most definitely. His position of power, yes, because he knew what our goals were and what we wanted in life. So. He knew that most likely we would go along with something like this because of our ambition. He seen our ambition, so he knew he can use that. 
Yeah, but when we say he used me, I still had the ability to say no. You do. However, sometimes when people are being used and manipulated, they don't realize it at the time. It's a lot more subtle than that. Right, but I feel like um, that's like placing the label of victim. victim. And I don't like being <laughs> a victim. Oh, right. yeah. It's like I was a victim yeah, of Jesse's gonna... manipulation. Yeah. Let's go to this victim word then. Why do you see that as such a problem? I see myself as a very strong person. And I'm not saying that victims aren't strong. What I'm saying is um, what you do when you are a victim dictates either if you're weak or you're strong. When you become a victim of something, you can either choose to allow that thing to tear you down and destroy you, which I don't want to say it makes you weak, but you don't have that um, foundation or ability to use what happened to you to propel you and make you into even a better person. And that's not your fault. It could be because of how you were raised. You don't have the tools. You don't have the mindset or the ability to be able to use what happened to you. It's all about um, knowledge and wisdom being educated to be able to use these things and having a good foundation and knowing who you are as a person. A lot of people don't know who they are. So a lot of things can, anything can manipulate them and control their lives and tear them down easily. And that's that's really what I see as a victim a victim of a of being a victim. That's different from being a victim of something. A victim of something doesn't mean that you were consensual in any way or that it was anything to do with you. So I, I guess what he's trying to say and what I think, what I believe also is that, yes, there are victims. We have a problem when you are a victim and you want to use that to keep gaining sympathy. Exactly. That's what it is. You want to keep gaining sympathy from being a victim. Yes, people, many people are victims and that's going to happen. In other words, I want to say, try your best to get over it. To find strength in what happened to you. You being a victim. So yes, there are victims. That's very true. I agree. You've told me both that you have had racism towards you both. Have you been victims of racism? Yes. By definition, yes. We've been victims of racism. But did we allow that racism to hold us back? Say, oh, because we had racism done against us, now we can't do this, we can't do that, we can't better our lives because there's systemic racism in America or am I going to um, prove everybody wrong and do what I have to do to get ahead in this life? I'm going to keep going, keep trying until I break through because I will break through. When we were just talking this morning, 
And one of the things we were discussing was the moral implications of what happened. And it's interesting that something that took less than a minute, that took maybe less than three days to to set up, then became such a big thing. And at the time you were saying that, well, the moral implications didn't come into play purely because you didn't realize what was going to happen with it. And also, Jesse had said that it was just going to be something that went on social media and that was that and you would never be identified. How do you feel looking back now when you hear me sum it up like that? There was definitely more to it than it just being on social media. It affected a lot of things and a lot of people. That's what I would say. Ola, would you agree? At the moment, no, I did not see the moral implications. But looking back now, I can see it all. Because it got the police involved. It got everybody involved. And that's that, that's that's an implication. Police have to start using taxpayer dollars to investigate the whole thing. Politicians commented on it and had to retract when they found out it was fake. The state's attorney had to get involved. Then a fight incurred between the state's attorney and the Chicago police. Like, a lot of these things that happened would have never happened if we never agreed. I think maybe somebody else would have agreed to do it for them, but at the end of the day, we were still the ones that did it. And then what about what's happened since? Are you still on an upward trajectory? Always. Always, yeah, we're always on an upward trajectory. However, it slowed things down because when that happened, the situation happened, my agent dropped me in Chicago, uh, the Chicago casting. So the agent that had just signed you, the biggest talent agency in in Chicago, Chicago, dropped you? Yeah. As yeah. soon as they heard about this. As soon as they heard about what it. What was that talked. like? I was like, damn. They they said, oh, uh, we just have to part ways because we don't think this relationship is going to be good or we can't help you out in the way that we need to. So we have to cancel this relationship. I'm like, damn, this is crazy. <laughs> just like oh, that. Wow. I, we, I just signed with you. You're kind of laughing about it. It must have been devastating. It was. It's so hard, like, yeah, to become an was. actor to it sign in yeah. with an agency. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. difficult to sign with that one. We've been yeah. trying for years to sign with that one. It hurt at the moment because I'm like, damn, now my acting uh, career is put on hold or it's possibly ended, has ended. And uh, thank God it hasn't. So I would say it's still going. Uh, it's, it's still upward trajectory. And we... We're doing other things, like we're boxing, uh, and that's going very well, super well for me. Right. How did it impact things for you, Ola? Um, The same. The auditions um, came to a complete stop. Yeah, the opportunities ran dry when everything blew up. Yeah, uh, casting directors in Chicago did not want, you know— some of them were loyal to Jesse because they booked for Jesse. Jesse was a director, so he worked with the casting directors directly at times. So they were loyal to him, and they felt 
strongly about the whole situation, about us being involved. I'd love to know more about how that made you feel, given that you did this because you thought that it would help you in your careers. And then for this all to unravel where actually it went against you because Jesse still says he's innocent. How complicated is that for you? For a split second, I did have trouble with it. I didn't know the direction my life was going to take because of the whole situation. I didn't know if I was going to be able to recover. But at the end of the day, I did fall back on my faith and knew everything was going to be okay at the end of the day and not to worry about what was going to happen, that I was going to come out victorious at the end of the day. How about you, Paula? When that was taken away because of the situation with Jesse, it put me in a dark place because... Everything I was working towards that I love to do... It's just snatched. Snatched. It seemed like it, it has ended. I would never act again. That's what it seemed like. Yeah, that's definitely what it seemed like. That I would never have the opportunity to act. But like my brother said, falling back on my faith and believing in the Almighty helped me get through that time. And... We're here now, and I feel good. Uh, We feel better about uh, where we're going. The future. About the future. Uh, Looking back on it, yeah, I felt bad, but now it was a learning experience at that time. When's the last time you had contact with Jesse? When did he last contact me? I know he sent a message to you. Right. Saying that. After, right. Yeah. When I was uh, in lockup, yes, he did send uh, a message. Anything since then? Yeah, there has been something since then. Uh, A friend, well, H, uh, said, he said Jesse wanted to talk to me, but I just never talked to him. What about this H? What about him? You mentioned him a lot in conversation around you and Jesse, because it was you, H, and Jesse that hung around together. And Jesse contacted H to contact you about asking to talk. So are you in contact with H? Yeah, H is still my friend, and he's still friends with Jesse. Right, how does that work? Uh, it's, that's I love it how you preempt people. my question, but yeah, how, how does that work? Because... I personally don't understand how that makes sense. Really? Yeah. That's your friends. Whose side is H playing on? H doesn't want to get in the middle of anything. I'm telling you, Jesse even wanted H to testify on his behalf. H said, no, I'm not doing that. Like, he wanted him to, like, lie for him. H said, I'm not doing that. He didn't want to get in the middle of nothing. But H H is okay with what? Jesse's done to you and asking to testify against you which would make you liars but that's your friend you can understand why I'm asking yeah you see everything is not black and white humans are very complex so it's still possible for him to 
be cool with I and to be cool with Jesse. Are you cool with H? Yeah, then, I'm cool even with though H. he's in contact with Jesse. Yeah, I don't hate Jesse. Yeah, I don't hate that guy at all. Yeah, I love him. We'll probably be friends again in the future. I ain't go that far, but yeah, I love him as a, as a human being, especially through me being brought up in Christianity. I have to love him. Even though he lied about you I have and to, lied about you publicly. Yes, I have to love him. Why? Because of my foundation, my background, my Christianity background. You got to love people that hate you. They say love your enemies. It does say that. So, and I wouldn't go as far as calling him an enemy, but uh, I, I have to love him. Do you trust... H not to then go and say something to Jesse. Well, I just be careful what I would say to H. That's all. Right. I wouldn't say We're not slow now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't born, you know, <laughs> yesterday. So yeah, of course, uh, the things I say to H won't be confidential or something that uh, Jesse could use against me. Has H said anything to you about Jesse? Has he said anything? Not really. Besides the part where I told you that Jesse wanted to talk. Would you talk to him? Yeah, I'd talk to him. I would talk to him. I would like to see that conversation. I would like to see that conversation. <laughs> I you really like to would. Be a fly on the wall. <laughs> right. What type of conversation really would that be? Yeah. yeah that would be a yeah. great conversation. I think that's the conversation that a lot of people would want to hear mm -hmm. and see. Maybe we come back and Maybe. do a podcast, do a roundtable <laughs> video or something. But, yeah. Maybe it could be resolved and had out at this table. Like, come on, bro. You, you know we did that shit. I don't know if it'll be resolved because he will not, he will always maintain his innocence. So then why did Pu he want to talk to you? Publicly, at least. Why did he want to talk to me? I don't know, maybe to try to convince me to go back on the truth, to lie, maybe. Would you? Hell no. I can't do that. <laughs> That's impossible for me to go back on the truth. No, because that just makes me, us, my brother and I, look like you can never believe us. And that's career suicide in the entertainment industry. What have you learned about yourselves? That I am strong-minded. Yep. Strong-willed. Strong-willed. I'm still a rebel. I would say the same for myself, that I can um, take a lot and I can stand on my own two feet and take what people throw at me because going through this situation, a lot was thrown at us. We was able to see a lot through social media, the news. We was able to see everything people were saying about us, people who knew nothing about us. We was able to see their comments, videos, people making fun of us. And we stood on our, we stood on our feet. We didn't allow it to break us. What were some of the things that people were commenting about you and making fun of you? Um, there were videos made 
um, reenacting the whole thing, making us seem like um, just two immigrants from Nigeria coming over here, being paid this small amount of money to do this thing. There's people in the Nigerian community disowning us, and uh, the, those aren't Nigerians that what kind of Nigerian are these that would do something like this? People saying we're criminals. People saying we're dumb. Uh, right. That we don't have uh, no sense. <laughs> Why would you only do this for this amount of money? You guys are desperate. You guys need fame. That's why you guys are doing what you're doing. You guys are liars. All types of crazy stuff. It was definitely by all different types of people. Yeah. And different types of people were saying different things. Yeah. Uh, for example, though, uh, it's not everybody in the white community, but a lot of what we saw with the white community would be like, throw them all under the jail. All three of them belong in jail yeah. for what they did. And they're despicable. Yeah. A lot of racist remarks, too. Oh, yeah, of course. Send them back to Africa. That was the white community that was saying that. Yeah. Uh, the black community were making jokes about sexuality. Right. Or yeah, that's about what, that's, us. Yeah, that's... Putting, throwing Jussie under the bus. The Nigerian community would be like, oh, you guys are in America, and you guys are making us look bad by doing something like this and whatnot. I can't make you look bad. Only you can make yourself look bad. Right. And I'm living my life. Go live yours. Do you feel that in our conversation, you've answered all of those comments? Most certainly. Yeah. For the ones that uh, can think, right. yes, I would say so. You said that it put you in a dark place at times. And so I wanted to know what that dark place was like or what it felt like to truly get an idea of how this impacted you? So it felt like the walls were closing in on me. It felt, I felt as if, or had thoughts that, damn, maybe I should stop all that I'm doing. Like, I'm not going to be able to act no more. The boxing, like my life, like everything I knew and had aspired to be and do was now in jeopardy or over. I think that's what happened uh, during my darkest times. I was like, damn, I'm not going to be able to be who I've envisioned myself to be, who I have strived and have worked tirelessly to be. And it's all by my own hands, through my own hands. That, that happened, that I felt that way uh, because I participated. I knowingly participated in this. So that's what I meant by being in a dark place. Like I had nowhere to go and I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But then like the beast I am, I woke up and said, fuck that. I'm a dog. This is what I do. And bounce back. I got the Almighty on my side. Ain't nothing could stop me. I had to have that self-talk. And my spirit, uh, the Almighty, K-1. 
came to my aid. Like, come on, man. This ain't shit. I, I brought you to it, right? I'm going to pull you up, up out of it. And that has happened. And I'm grateful. That's why it's important to have God in your life. He's going to pull you out them dark situations. So is your faith that helped you through? It definitely did. Yeah, it always my, is. And my upbringing, yes. Mm. What you said just there, and I did this on, on my own hand, was there that reflection of your own actions and that self-critic? Exactly. That's exactly what it was. That I made my bed, now I have to lay in it. So yes, it was uh, the self-critic looking at my situation and knowing that I'm the one that put myself in it. Yeah, I wrote the story. So now I have to live it. So you did question yourself at some point and said, why did I do that? I would say, yeah, I did. I did. Like, damn, was it, <laughs> was it smart to do? Was it the right thing to do? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? You see, I knew he was going to ask that. <laughs> you see, it's crazy. He's spent too much time with me. <laughs> yeah, I knew he was going to ask that. Was it worth it? Like I said, I wouldn't change anything. So I would have to stick with that and say it was worth it. I would have to stick with it. It's made me who I am. If Jesse was listening, what is the one thing that you would want to say to him? I would really see if he's okay as a person, just as a human. Because to go through something like that and to still maintain your innocence and there's something going on there. So really check on him as a person. Are you okay? What made you decide to speak out now? Time and opportunity. Time meaning um, we had gotten the court case over with. Um, everything we said or anything we said really can't be used against us anymore. And um, opportunity meaning the right outlet that would give us the opportunity to say our story completely without it just being clickbait here and there. You're being able to hear exactly everything, how we feel and everything that happened at that moment in time. Yeah, and I believe that, not that we owe people, but people would like to know who we are. They would like to hear our story, our side of the story. They, they've heard pretty much everyone else's side of the story and what uh, they said happened. But what about the brothers? What do the brothers think and how do they feel? So I feel like he said it was the right time. This is the right time to come out and speak about the situation. And people will find value in what we're saying. I remember when we first spoke and we first met and I asked you why you wanted to do this and what you wanted to get across. And Bowler, I think it was you who said to me, I want it to humanize us. Can you expand on what you meant by that? Yeah, so what I meant by I wanted it to humanize us coming out and speaking and having this, using this opportunity 
was so people know that we're not just some foreigner immigrants that they can't relate to. When you think about us, we want you to know that we're human like you. We're people that have lives, that have a story to tell like you, that we made mistakes like you've made a mistake. I'm sure everyone has made a mistake before. Our mistakes might be different, but we were very similar more than we're different. So that's what I meant by I wanted it to humanize us. Yeah, it's easy for anybody to just sit back and say, I would never do that because you've never been in that situation. That's why you're saying that. Like, There's certain situations that you can be in that you will never know exactly what you'll do until you're in that situation where good people that did bad things, if you want to call it that, but we're still good people. Once this podcast goes out, the documentary airs, is this the end of this chapter for you? This is just the beginning. Not this even is, the beginning. It's not even the beginning. There's a lot more to us uh, as people and ind- individuals that uh, we have to offer the world. And when it comes to the Jesse Smollett saga, there is just one more piece that we're currently working on. Um, I wouldn't say it's about the case in totality, but um, we are working on a book that's going to be about our lives, um, our upbringing, and everything that led us to this point. In our lives. In our lives and going forward. So make sure y'all check out that book when it comes out. It's going to have a lot. What would you say to anybody that says, oh, well, you're just capitalizing on this situation anyway? We're just capitalizing by doing what? You've done a documentary. We're recording a podcast now and you've got a book coming out. There's going to be those people that's going to say that either way. At the end of the day, we got to do what we got to do. No matter what we do, people are going to come out and say some crazy stuff. So And complain. Yeah, I can't live my life off of what other people think. And it's something that's factual, something that has happened to us. So we might as well come out and speak about it instead of just shelling up. Yeah, why not capitalize off of it? It's something that happened to us. You capitalize off of what what has happened to you. Or if you have the opportunity to do it. What's wrong? We live in America, the capital place of the world. Duh, you're supposed to capitalize off of it. Stupid. (laughs) What do you see for yourselves in your life moving forward? I started boxing about three months, four months ago. Following in my little bro's footsteps. So um, I've been progressing very quickly. So I'm going to pursue the boxing lane and I'll continue with the acting. I see myself becoming very, very huge in Hollywood. My goal is to be in one of the Terminator movies as a Terminator. That's going to happen. I'm going to be a Terminator one of these days. So you guys are hearing it here first. I'm going to reference this podcast when it happens. 
And of course, once we're done with all of that, we're going to go back to the motherland and get into politics and try our absolute best to unite West Africa as one nation. Have you found the conversation that we've had? Honestly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, filling, because this is the first... Fulfilling? Fulfilling, yes. Fulfilling, because this is the first time we've actually been able to sit down and go through the whole... Even have a conversation. Yeah, we have haven't a whole, really yeah, talked have to a conversation. Anybody. Yeah, yeah. Like this is the first time we really sat down and had a have a conversation about the whole situation. So it feels good. It feels like we're getting a lot off of off of our chest. Wow. So this is like a therapy session. Huh? It is actually. It is. I didn't even have to pay for it either. No, nah, I'm gonna send you the invoice. Don't worry. I'll send you those invoices. <laughs> I'll gladly pay. Yeah, so I, I think this conversation was needed, uh, not for us, but also for the public. The public will also have a good time listening to this conversation and seeing, uh, give them an idea of how we think and how our world is. So. It's pretty cool. Pretty excited about it. Jussie Smollett's appeal was first filed on March the 11th, 2022. Nearly a year later, the final appeal was submitted on the 1st of March, 2023, after the Illinois Court of Appeals granted his defense team a rare fifth extension of the deadline. Jesse's team is requesting his conviction to be overturned or for him to be granted a new trial. The appeals court has a third option available to them. Keep his guilty verdict. A ruling is expected sometime later this year. You're listening to Attacking Jesse, the Oshundairo Brothers story. Hosted and produced by me, Charlie Webster alongside producer Jackson McLennan, research and assistant producer Casey Hertz, edited by Nico Palella. Seema Graywall is our assistant editor. Theme music by Nico Palella. Additional production by Will Hagel, Nicole Urban, and Stephen Sletton. Executive produced by me, Charlie Webster. This is a Lionsgate Sound production engineered by Pilgrim Media Group. <laughs>